Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi everyone and welcome back to Bundesliga for Beginners. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week we have John McKenzie, our Bundesliga expert, Jim Knight and Kev isn't able to join us so we've substituted in James Vickers who's co-host of the EPL Index Championship pod so you might well be familiar with him from this channel already. Uh, it's going to be a busy show, lots to go through with the midweek round of fixtures, the English round as John filled us in about on the last episode, and obviously the highlight was the classica Jim, last show we were talking about the game, and I think we all wanted Dortmund to win it, to bust open the title race. Didn't really play out that way, did it? No, it's a bit of a disappointing, well, a very disappointing early evening, I think, if you're a Dortmund fan. And luckily we're joined by one of those, so we'll get uh, James's take in a little bit, I guess. But I think... the. It just seemed to me a little bit like Dortmund froze in the headlights. They were so slick and fluid and they were playing the same kind of creative football that we've been accustomed to from them, you know, seeing the last couple of seasons where this fast attacking style of football and they were really opening, buying up kind of, not at will necessarily, but several times in the first half, you know, they had very, very presentable opportunities and were it not for some disappointing decisions in the final third or just some lacklustre finishing, um, you know, they could have easily gone into half time ahead and then just to get sucker punched just before half time, it kind of felt like, especially the way Kimmich scored with the kind of death lob that you think, mm, does the keeper have any complaints about that? It's difficult because it is, you know, it's a very, very good finish. But I think if you're a goalkeeper, you're going to be disappointed that you didn't keep that out considering he got most of a hand to it. Um, kind of backpedalling towards his line. So, and from then on, you know, there were chances in the second half, but it almost felt like the stuffing had been knocked out of Dortmund a little bit. And it's just a really frustrating result for the, the league overall. Because I think we all wanted, you know, we've discussed this before, but I think we all wanted to see a really close title race. And now with a, a seven point gap and 28 games played, it's it's just disappointing. And it's it's unlikely we're likely to get the kind of close nip and tuck title race unless. Bayern just completely implode, which seems really unlikely given how you know untouchable they've been for large parts of, of this season. Yeah, and it will be eight in a row for Bayern and obviously the perennial winners. It seems unlikely that they're going to let that lead slip. Um, but we've got a podcast to make, so we're going to try and make it sound like it's going to be interesting for the rest <laughs> of the season. Um, James, welcome to the show first and foremost. As Jim mentioned, you follow Dortmund. What did you make of the game? Yeah, as Jim mentioned, uh, sort of disappointing, really. It's, it's following Dortmund for the last eight or so years, which I have done it since Jurgen Klopp left, something that you've come to expect with Dortmund. I thought, as you said, quite rightly, we started the game really well. I said on another show earlier in the week that the main battle was going to be in those wide areas. I think Hakimi and Guerrero have been absolutely fantastic since the restart and 
but Bayern to go into that game, if they were going to get anything out of it, it was neutralising that threat. I think for the first 20 minutes or so, Bayern did struggle, as I expected, with Hakimi and Guerrero. Guerrero especially, I thought, had a very, very good game. And, you know, extra eyes on the league is, is a good thing in one respect, but the amount of clubs that will be taking note of Guerrero now, from a Dortmund point of view, is slightly worrying with how well he's playing him especially likes to drift into the midfield and it was it was almost at ease as, as you said that Dortmund were getting into those areas I think the the lackluster finishing Erling Haaland had a chance which you know usually he would gobble up didn't put that away and then I think Julian Brandt coming off at half time really just kind of killed the the mood for Dortmund really coupled that with the Kimmich goal which you know I'm a massive fan of Roman Berkey said it for years he's a fantastic keeper I think on his day second best keeper in the Bundesliga behind Manuel Neuer but he does have that slight error in him I think you know it could be down to a lack of concentration he's fantastic one moment but does have the, those lapses which you know do sort of lead to quite high profile errors. I remember a few against Tottenham a few years ago in the Champions League. So I think that coupled with Brandt going off, Emre Chan, who came on in his place, is a fantastic player, don't get me wrong, but he's not in that same ilk as, as Julian Brandt. And in the second half, I think it was clear to see there was that real sort of gap in that midfield, which was just crying out for someone to sit in. And it wasn't until Gio Reyna came on with about 10 minutes to go that Dortmund looked to be getting back to where they they were in that sort of first 20 minutes. So disappointing, I think, compared to the Bayern game at the Allianz earlier in the season, it was a vast improvement, you know, keeping them only one goal in it. And it was, you know, a very, very good finish from Joshua Kimmich positives to be taken from that but yeah unfortunately it's, it looks like it's going to be another year without a trophy considering we're already at the DFB Pokal. What surprised me was Jaden Sancho didn't really seem to make that much of an impact in the second half we talked about his fitness um, on the show before and Dortmund have been bringing him off the bench building up that, that fitness he didn't really seem to be able to get involved in the game. Um, John you predicted that Bayern were going to come out on top and from their point of view, quite a controlled clinical Bayern performance. Yeah, I think they, they had the advantage in that they didn't need to come out and get a result. And I think that that showed if you actually I think look at the underlying stats of the game, it was a very even game. Um, and that's I mean, that's all well and good. But as we've said, Dortmund needed to get a result and they didn't do enough, I didn't think. Uh, to create those the, those chances that we'd need to get a win. But I think it's it's harsh on, on Dortmund in many respects, simply because I think, again, we've mentioned it before that they, um, Jim mentioned it as well, that, that there's a huge amount of pressure on Dortmund in this sort of situation to pull something out of the bag. And they did, I, th- I thought, in the first and second third were, were, were excellent. It just sort of fell down a little bit in the th- in the final third. And I, again, I, I mean, I'm not the sort of person who wants to talk about psychology a lot when it comes to analysing football games. But this is a Bayern team who, as we've said, are well on the way to getting an eighth win in a uh, title win in a row. And you've really got to you've really got to um, expect that that puts a huge amount of pressure on on a, on a young Dortmund side. And it to me, it, it just looked a little bit like they were 
a little bit tight. They, the Julian Brandt wasn't his usual free-flowing self. He, his decision-making was a little bit poor, I thought. Um, and uh, again, we saw, we, we've come to expect so much from Erling Haaland, um, but that didn't transpire either. Um, and I, I put that down in the most part too, that just the huge amount of pressure that, that they were under. But what an incredible game of football, really enjoyable, uh, highest level of football, um, and great to see that that kind of game can be played uh, behind closed doors. Yeah, I'm sure Dortmund not having their fans there did have an impact, but the intensity was certainly still there. And that's, I think, one of the things that people worried about, football coming back behind closed doors. Would teams be able to get themselves up? And obviously this is a massive game, the biggest in German football for the last few years, but it was really good to see that it was played to such high standard. Um, One key moment that we haven't touched on yet, Jim, Dortmund had a good penalty appeal. Jerome Boateng seemed to block a shot with his arm. Didn't even get checked by the VAR. I mean, what happened there? Well, I'd love to tell you, but yeah, I mean, it it didn't necessarily... It's one of those where Boateng's kind of going down slash already down when it deflects off him, but his arm isn't in a natural position. And so you would have thought... the the VAR would have at least had a cursory look at it. Now, if they decide against giving the penalty, then that's absolutely fine. But I don't think there's any excuse for them not to review it. I just, I I mean, I I haven't seen anything official come out about, you know, why it didn't get reviewed. But maybe it was just that Dortmund took the corner too quickly because it deflected off Boateng, went wide. And they were obviously chasing the game at that point. So they rushed to take the corner. Maybe the players didn't quite realise they weren't necessarily aware of quite how close to his arm or the fact that it did hit his arm in the first place. Maybe they just assumed it had come off his shoulder or, I don't know, his side and just gone out. And they were just more keen to restart the game. And at that point, it's very difficult to then roll it back. And then look at the game because you're stopping a, a, another attacking um, kind of phase, if you like. So I'm not sure if there has been anything official come out about, you know, from the footballing authorities in Germany and about why it wasn't reviewed. But it, it, even in the context of the game, you know, even a, if they'd got a penalty, scored and taken a point, that really adds a different complexion to the, the title race. And it, it's still it, it's slightly more possible I guess it's still unlikely but you could say Dortmund was still in it if it had been a point apiece and kept kind of all right Bayern kept them at arm's length but yeah for it not to be reviewed is just kind of baffling to me I'm not really sure why it, it didn't go go to the uh, the VAR to at least have a look there was a, a lot of people on Twitter certainly highlighting that they thought it should have been penalty. Gary Lineker was obviously moaning me tweets about absolutely everything um have you seen any explanation of it John I haven't seen it, no, but I'm someone who's very much agnostic when it comes to VAR. I think that we we jumped into the whole is that project. Possible? Is that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it is, but we 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 definitely jumped into the project without really thinking about the sort of impact that it's going to have. And and I think that there's many respects in which it's quite detrimental to the game. But I, I it really frustrated me yesterday because. You know, it, it's it's almost as though that was the moment that you need VAR for, right? It's a it's a title-defining yeah. game. It's a, a, at a point where if the goal is given or a penalty is given, um, then you are you're going to potentially change the course of the season. Uh, it seems as though the ball is going in, at least going heading goalwards before it hits the arm. The arm is in an unnatural position. So if you're not going to use VAR in that instance, why have we gone through all the the hassle it quite frankly where we've had to watch 
VAR decisions in games that we don't even care about that much when it's not even being used in in a in a game like that where where there's so much at stake. So I, I was a little bit frustrated by it because it, that seemed like the perfect example to be like, look, this is why we have VAR. So stop complaining when we're using it elsewhere. The whole world's watching as well. You know mm. that the, all the eyes of the footballing world are on the Bundesliga at the moment, and in what is essentially a title decider for that not to at least get looked at just kind of it just goes to undermine the whole project a little bit and it's just you know people the footballing authorities whoever's in charge of the var have got to be hotter on that kind of thing if there's any kind of doubt they've got to at least communicate to the ref that they've got to hold up the corner because otherwise it just undermines the whole integrity it will be used as a stick to beat var with you know going forward and that's just if you want the project to succeed that's not the way to go about it you have to be seen to be you know, even if it takes an extra couple of minutes, and we've seen we've seen some ridiculously strung out VAR decisions even since the the season came back. Like, what's another thirty seconds to check that? Yes, it definitely did hit his arm and get the ref to have a look at it. It just seems a bit nonsensical to me that, and it's just such a shame that it happened in such a high profile moment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think you've got a point, Jim, that Dortmund rushing to take the corner was maybe a factor, but surely still time for the the VAR people to go. Whoa, 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 wait. I also wonder if, again, there not been any fans there, maybe had an impact. Surely yeah. there'd have been more people shouting for a penalty, the appeals, a bit more of an outcry. Dortmund might then have stopped and waited for a decision. Um, James, what was your view of this incident? Yeah, so taking off my, my Dortmund glasses for a second, I think if I was to, to have a look at it, I think I would have given a penalty for it as... As we mentioned, his arm wasn't an unnatural position, even though he had gone over. I think, as you guys have mentioned, the the two things that really went against Dortmund was was the speed that they took the corner from, and the fact that um, I believe it was Torgan Hazard who had the shot didn't even appeal for it. So, in that sort of respect, I can see why the the referee, you know, maybe missed it, thought it hit, you know, like his shoulder, side of his head, something like that. He obviously saw there was contact because he gave the the corner from it. I think what what does need to happen is the the VAR team in Cologne need to be in the referees ear saying obviously it's clear as day when you see a replay on the TV which they have access to you know listen I think you should come check this so I think if the referee had been informed to check it I think a penalty most likely would have been awarded I think in Germany especially over the last season there's been a real hesitancy to once the next phase has continued, go back and look at a decision that has happened previously. I think there was a, a game between Mainz and I believe it was Freiburg in, in 2018, where just before half time, the referee, similar instance, the referee had waved away a penalty appeal. The teams had gone into the dressing rooms and it was about two minutes into half time that the teams came back out on the pitch because the referee had given a penalty while the teams were in the dressing room. So after that fiasco in Germany, I think they, there is that real reluctancy to, you know, take away from the integrity of the game in, in that aspect. But I think, you know, for a title deciding game that had huge implications, you know, what is what is 30 seconds or, or potentially as Dortmund are taking a corner, you know, saying, listen, lads, granted, you've got a corner, but but you could have you could have a penalty if we... If we just check this. So, yeah, I think probably the wrong decision, but I can sort of sympathize why the referee, you know, potentially hadn't given it. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, it is a shame. I mean, we managed to do, what, four episodes without really talking about VAR, so I'm annoyed for that reason more than anything else. Um, we should probably talk about buying a bit more as well, John. It looks like they are going to go on and win the title again. They've been almost perfect since Hansi Flick took over. And for a lot of fans who are quite new to the Bundesliga, they won't really know who this guy is. It'll be a surprise for someone who's a bit of an unknown to be looking like he's going to take Bayern to the title. Yeah, it's interesting with Bayern, isn't it? Because it's almost a sense in which they need someone like um, Hansi Flick, who's 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 a little bit understated um, in order to... To, to bring all the players together. I mean, the club's famously called FC Hollywood uh, because because they went through a phase of having just great players. And l- let's face it, Bayern have position for position the best team in, in the Bundesliga. And um, yeah, it, it, it just seems incredible that, that Hansi Flick should be able to to just come into the into the the, the team at Bayern and, and make it work. But bear in mind the fact that he was the German assistant coach for years, and uh, a lot of the players in in the squad in the team will have played underneath him. Um, it just it's starting to seem very much like a a stroke of genius than than bringing him in. But it, it, I think what he's really done is just got them back to got them back to basics. He has done a, a few um, tweaks here and there. We've, we mentioned last week the fact that he's dropped uh, Thomas Muller into a, a deeper role. Um, but when you just look at the, you look at the the squad that he has available and, and just in every position, you just kind of think, wow, um, any one of those players would work would walk into any of the teams really in the in the other Bundesliga teams as well. So um, I think for me, it's that that balance, it's being able to have the respect of, of players like this, but also not be such a um, uh, an individual himself that is, is well known enough to to take the, the, or to deflect the attention away from them too. And it just seems to have worked perfectly. Yeah. It's easy to say, isn't it? Look at the squad. Anyone could probably win the league, um, but there probably is a bit more to it than that. Jim, does it make you wonder, though, they spent all that money bringing Pep Guardiola to the Bundesliga, he won the league, he didn't get them the Champions League that they wanted, Carlo Ancelotti failed at Bayern as well, if you can call still winning the league a failure, <laughs> um, and they could have just got some some jobber from the Germany team. <laughs> it's funny how things work out sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I think, the uh, you know, when you've got such a recent history of domination, and it, it, there are certainly parallels in terms of their European ambitions and that being the real prize, um, with like PSG, for example, like 
PSG walk the league every year. Granted, it's a lot less competitive than the Bundesliga. But the point is that just winning the domestic title is the bare minimum expected of you. You're not going to get any plaudits for simply doing that. And so for a team like Dortmund, you know, to potentially be chasing them down, that's a bit of a headache in itself. But even if you get the title... The, the the secondary conversation becomes okay. Did you win the Champions League? And if the answer is no, I guess that's still kind of viewed as a bit of a you know it's a, it's an impossible situation for all these top European clubs because you've got so many of them, Manchester City included, where their their goal is to win the Champions League, and only one team can win it every season. It just seems like you know obviously there was issues with Pep and. And he never really got them that close in reality. And I think obviously having won it before that, he kind of had that legacy to try and live up to. So it was it was difficult. And that's something we've seen continue to happen. And it's just a case of, you know, I suppose Bayern don't have the issue of an uncompetitive domestic competition like PSG do but it's just so it's so cutthroat at the very very top of European football because there are so many teams that almost feel they have a divine right to win the Champions League now Um, and I guess maybe this season we won't even get to find out who wins it because there's every chance that it doesn't go ahead so it might be another season kind of waiting and waiting to see what happens with them with Flick in charge. Yeah, maybe everyone will be happy because nobody wins the Champions League. (laughs) That's true yeah if nobody wins it nobody can be disappointed can they so yeah that's a fair point. Just get rid of the Champions League, then everyone will be happy. <laughs> but there's a point. I think there's a point to be made that for four clubs like PSG and Bayern, the Champions League becomes more important than it has to, and that yeah. has a negative effect on them insofar as the league is just a given. And and yeah. like at least in the Premier League, there's you have the league to fight for, and if you win the the league, then there's the ex- expectation then that you've done enough. It doesn't matter that you haven't maybe progressed in Europe, but um, there's just huge a huge amount of pressure on Bayern to win or to at least go very very deep in Europe every every season. And you see the same thing as happens with PSG. It just sort of it it puts it undue pressure on and and in a competition where you have to just win um, and there's a huge amount of luck behind it. It it's really it really sets you back. Yeah, it will it will be fascinating to see how Flick does long term at Bayern. Obviously, they've put faith in him. Standard in contract recently, didn't he? There was a lot of talk about Mauricio Pochettino at one point. Obviously, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. It seems like Hansi Flick's going to get a really good go at it. Um, on the flip side, James, there seems to be a lot of talk about Lucien Favre now, even though Dortmund was second last season, nearest challengers then, still look like they're going to finish second this time. What's your view of, of how he's done? Do you think somebody else could push Dortmund on a bit further or do you think he's still the right man at the moment? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one really with Dortmund. Obviously, there is that aspiration to go deeper in the Champions League, which the rumour sort of started surfacing after going out to PSG in the Champions League, which, you know, going out to PSG in the Champions League for, for most teams, you know, would be expected with, with just how good that PSG squad is. I think what Lucien Favre does have going for him is regardless of that PSG result over the last six months or so, he's really transformed that Dortmund team, albeit they got beat yesterday by Bayern Munich. The the work he's done defensively, which he's not necessarily known for in Germany, with the, the work he did at, at Borussia Mönchengladbach when he was there was, you know, on the offensive side. So he's changed the formation. He's gone to a, a free back and really incorporated Hakimi and Guerrero, who aren't really suited to, to a four-back as, as wing-backs now in a free-back, five-back, however you want to view it. And 
there is that real sort of belief in 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 Germany and Dortmund in particular that he is slowly transforming the the way the club defends, which for so long has been Dortmund's Achilles heel. You know, when people see Dortmund for the first time or if they, they only watched them once or twice a season, I think many of them would say, you know, great going forwards, but at the back, you know, just so soft. They don't have that winner's mentality. I think bringing Mats Hummels back in in the summer has really helped them. I think Zagadou being out is going to be a big miss, as we saw with the Bayern game yesterday. But what he has done, Favre, to sort of go back to your point, he, he's really transformed that defensive core. The signings he's, br- he's brought in, Julian Brandt, for example, has has really kicked them on in that midfield department, Emery Chan as well. So I think there are signs he's going in the right direction. I think with every Dortmund manager at the moment, there's that expectation to win the league. And, and obviously you guys singing the praises of Bayern Munich there, it's, it's awfully hard for for any manager really to catch Bayern with just how strong and dominant they are at the moment. Obviously, you know, Dortmund or or someone else like an RB Leipzig do need to win a league at some point. So it doesn't just become the Bayern Munich show plus 17 others. But, you know, Favre, to his credit, he's he's taken the team forward. He's improved them massively since he took over from Stürger and, and the work that Bosch had done before that. So signs that he's going in the right direction, I think, He'll be given till the end of this season. If they finish second, you know, I think he'll stay on. I think if he does drop third, fourth, potentially fifth with how close Leipzig, Gladbach and and Leverkusen are chasing them at the moment, I think he would go. But, you know, as a Dortmund fan myself, I would like to see him stay. I think the work he's done so far and what he has going for him and and the way the players respect him, he's got all the signs of taking the club forward for the long term. It looks like it's going to be a big summer for Dortmund as well, doesn't it? If they can persuade Sancho to give it another year, Holland will presumably still be there. It's quite a young squad for, to build around, so maybe next year they'll be a bit closer to take that step. Um, we will move on, though, to the chasing pack, which was just mentioned by James there. RB Leipzig played Wednesday today, drop points again. Um, Jim, a really good game, this one. I think you've seen some of it, I hope. <laughs> Uh, shot themselves in the foot a bit with some bad defending. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a masterclass of defending. Let's put it like that for either side. Obviously, they so they went one nil down early when Grucic kind of uh, scored and put Herta one up, and then they clawed it back and and went in level at half time, and then just. The, the red card for Halstenberg just kind of handicapped them again. I mean, granted, we've not seen that much of of Leipzig. Well, I certainly not um, this season, but that's twice in a matter of, what, three weeks where you just feel like the opportunity missed, like they've got themselves back level. And then for him to get two red cards in the space of what, uh, two yellow cards, two red cards would be impressive. Two yellow cards in the space of 20 minutes is is just silly when they're, when they're one all. And but then they go ahead. That's a thing. They had the opportunity. Schick puts them ahead, and then once again, just to let her to back in with a penalty late. It's just like, lads, do you want to try and win the league? Because you're doing a very good impression of not trying to win the league. And I appreciate. Okay, they're so far back that they're probably not going to put any pressure on. But Bayern aren't going to be sweating over a RB Leipzig team that can't get three points at home to Hertha. 
you know, two weeks after they've dropped more points in the first game back, you know, after the um, coronavirus suspension. So, yeah, it must be uh, it must be a frustrating watch, I think, for RB Leipzig fans at the moment because they must just feel like what could have been. You know, they put themselves in such promising situations and just seem to consistently just kind of stumble at the vital moments. Yeah, I only had it on in the background, but they seemed a bit flat. They could have probably done with a bit more energy, maybe. A- Red Bull or something. <laughs> well, it's a terrible job. <laughs> John, I suppose we should point out they're still relative newcomers to the Bundesliga, though. They're trying to get involved in this title race, but it's what four, four seasons since they got promoted. It's incredible, really, that they are being talked of as a challenger. Yeah, I mean, if you want another RB Leipzig joke, you can you could have mentioned the fact that they don't have any fans when Jim was saying their fans must be disappointed. But yeah, it, really interesting. Uh, RB Leipzig as a as a club, they they're obviously under the umbrella of the Red Bull uh, movement, although they don't admit it in their name. Um, but they have a really it's it's hard for for someone like me who, on the one hand, is really keen on notions of of, of using tactics and statistics to, to try and get an edge, um, and also bringing through youth players, uh, and then also having a little bit of a, a, a negative feeling towards having large corporations involved in in football because the way that they run the club is just is is fantastic. They they have uh, specific policies about bringing in youth players only, and um, and the the team that they built is is really quite incredible when you consider that a lot of the players that they've brought, they've, they've picked um, up fairly young and, and, and moulded them into the, the players that they are today. Um, but yeah, a fa- fairly new club. And I guess with someone like uh, Julian Nagelsmann, I always get the impression that he, I mean, he's a brilliant manager. He's, he's, tactically adept his teams are flexible and and savvy they can he can change them around at a moment's notice in terms of their structure um and and, and can basically get them to do what he wants but i wonder whether or not the the sort of training ground um mentality sort of carries onto the pitches when when these uh, games are guys to spieler when when there's no one there maybe you lose a little bit of the edge that you really want to 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 get coming out and uh, i wonder whether or not it does just feel like another training session um because it, 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 you mentioned it, Jim. It does feel as though they do everything right, apart from the things that they need to do right, and just the 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 uh, penalty from uh, from Lookman right at the end just felt so needless, you know, giving away the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ball going absolutely nowhere. It's just little things like that where you kind of think, I wonder whether or not the 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 amount of youth that they have and inexperience that they have in the side does come to to bite them on the backside uh, eventually. Uh, but yeah, this is a this is a, a team that is it's just fascinating. They've just constantly had to reinvent themselves. They've had different managers. Um, they obviously had um, Hasenhutl originally when they came into the into the Bundesliga, and then they had a stint with uh, Ralf Rangnick, the 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 who was the sporting director, and sort of flicked backwards and forwards. And then they brought in Julian Nagelsmann, uh, and each time they, they've they've had a different team that has just has been so exciting to watch so interesting tactically and um it does just feel like a matter of time before they really do push for the for the title yeah it's really bad error from Rune Jarstein as well while well, was watching if you get a chance to see that basically like a shot right through his hands in this game really really poor um one of the other things I noticed from this game James Timo Werner not really involved scored a hat-trick in his last game and this was the week that it came out that apparently he's already been talking to Jurgen Klopp about potentially joining Liverpool. Thought that was banned because of tapping up rules, but apparently it's fine. Um, and this seemed like one the sort of game that 
Leipzig really needed Werner to step up and deliver, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the key loss for Leipzig offensively today was the loss of Yusuf Poulsen up front. The for for a player who doesn't get the recognition he deserves and and maybe doesn't get the goals that he should do, he is crucial for that Leipzig forward line in the way that he holds up the ball, he brings others into play, the likes of Werner, Sabitzer, Olmo, and uh, Kunku. And there was that real sort of focal point in their attack missing today. I think Owen Hargreaves said it on commentary that while Patrick Schick is a very good footballer, one that I think will permanently sign for Leipzig in the summer, uh, he's come out and said that he does want to stay and not go back to Roma. I think he just doesn't offer what Yusuf Poulsen does. And I think when he doesn't play, they become quite one-dimensional. It, sort of a lot of the the strain on that offensive work does fall on Timo Werner. And, you know, for a player who does get the goals, he he does struggle to, you know, produce it week in, week out, especially in the games where, where Leipzig should be winning, which they should have done today against a very good Hertha Berlin side uh, who really have been turned around by Bruno Labbadia in the last few games. I think, yeah, Werner, he, he does have all the makings to be, you know, a world-class striker if he's not sort of knocking on that that bracket already. I think in these games, though, he does need to sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck a bit more. He, he does have that tendency to drift out wide, which you can understand if he's trying to get on the ball. But I think, yeah, that, that real sort of lack of focal point today really did cost them. And I think in the defensive area as well, sort of going back to to what you guys were saying, I think a key loss for them there has been Willie Orban as well for a squad which I believe their average age is about 23 and a half years old, you know, an incredibly young squad, one of the youngest in the Bundesliga. Willie Orban really is that that glue that holds that back line together in terms of vocalising and, and ordering them about. Over the last few weeks where there hasn't been fans in the same, it's been really fascinating to see which players in particular are, are vocal on the pitch. The Bayern Munich Dortmund game last night, every Bayern player, you know, shouting instructions. They all know their role. And when I watch Leipzig, it's just a little bit too quiet for a sort of a team that wants to be challenging for a title in that back line. And I think that was summed up by Luckman, you know, a young player diving in, giving away a needless penalty when Kuna's coming away from goal. And I think if they'd had Willie Orban in there, you know, ordering him around, telling him to, to press but not make the tackle, this game could have been, you know, entirely different. So I think going back to your initial question about, about Werner, I think he definitely missed Poulsen. Um, they they seem to do better in games away from home, which is, you know, shown in the form guides. They've got more points away from home than they have at home this season. When they, you know, there isn't that, onus on them to be the team doing the attack and they can hit teams on the counter-attack which does seem to suit them so I think yeah work to be done for Leipzig by no means are they the finished article but you know there is signs that each season they're improving and I think it's only going to be a matter of time before they're running Bayern and Dortmund extremely close Again I suppose partly depends on whether they're able to hold on to Timo Werner without wanting to bring it too much back to the Premier League Jim there is so much talk about Werner coming to English football, Liverpool seems to be the team that are at the front of the queue. Um, where do you think he'd fit in in that Liverpool attack, though? I mean, their front three already seems so elite and unimprovable. It makes you wonder whether he'd play enough. Yeah, I mean, I can't see him moving personally unless one of Liverpool's front three moves on. I, I don't think it's a potential for them to just bring him in. 
to be their reserve. Mo- I mean, mostly because it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. You would think even in the kind of post-COVID world where the, the transfer fees might not be quite as astronomical as we've been used to. But he's still going to cost upwards of, what, 50 million? Uh, that's that's a lot of money even for a club like Liverpool stature to to potentially bring in a, a bench warmer or someone that's not guaranteed a first team spot. So I, I can't see it personally on the basis that he comes in and tries to to displace someone like Firmino. Um, it, it was funny actually when when James was talking about how much Werner uh, missed Paulson, I thought he was describing Roberto Firmino to a T, actually someone that helps the attack tick, doesn't necessarily get all the goals or the credit that he deserves, but kind of oils the rest of the attack and is the um, is the kind of battering ram that allows the others to do their best work. So, yeah, I, I can't see a move in this summer unless it's it's to replace one of those players. And that would kind of be dependent, I guess, on someone like Real Madrid taking to a shot, taking a shine to one of the three forwards at, at Liverpool already and, and plucking one of them out. Um, plus they've got Origi waiting in the wings who's been a good um, player to, to come off the bench as well and who might well fancy an opportunity particularly if it's Firmino that goes you know he might want to state his own case so it's it's a difficult one and we've also got to see how the lay of the land is with the transfer market generally because there's every chance that it's very very quiet this summer with so much up in the air the Euros will be looming pretty quickly as well um, next summer so, so a lot of players might just want to stick with what they've got rather than and taking a big money move and potentially you know not not getting picked for the, the national teams next summer it's an interesting point it? what might well be that because of this the Bundesliga can hold on to the big stars yeah Werner, Jadon Sancho these guys might well be willing to give it another year and I suppose it depends on how well their teams finish the season as well if Dortmund have a good finish get that second place, Sancho might think, right, I'll have another year here. And the same for Leipzig. If Werner can help them push on and get second, it might be that they think we can still go a bit further with this team. Um, We'll move on from Leipzig now, though. Kev's not on the show this week, obviously, as you'll have gathered by how much more expertise we have with James on. (laughs) Not sure the balance of the show is quite right this week, but (laughs) (laughs) we miss you, Kev. (laughs) So... Bayer Leverkusen lost this week. Kev's 100% record up in smoke. James, you watched this one. What went wrong after Kai Havertz had been the star of the show for the last two games? Yeah, I. it's one that I didn't see coming. I thought Leverkusen would, you know, sort of put a couple past Wolfsburg. I watched the Wolfsburg-Dortmund game a few days earlier and Wolfsburg just looked like they were lacking sort of all over the pitch. I think watching the game, I've got to give... Massive credit to Mario Pongracic at the the bat for Wolfsburg. I thought head and shoulders he was the best player on the pitch for a defender who's come in from Red Bull Salzburg. Surprisingly, didn't go to Leipzig with the link between those two clubs and and how they're crying out for another centre back at the moment. But the way he's come into that defence and and transform Wolfsburg is is incredible, really, for for a player so young who's not played in the league before and making the step up uh, into the Bundesliga. The first. Goal, you know, brilliant header by him. I thought Maxi Arnold as well for Wolfsburg had a fantastic game. A player who the last few years has really sort of gone off the boil for for someone who promised, you know, a lot in his early years. He looked as if he was getting back to his best. And I think for Leverkusen, more than anything, they just look sort of tired, really. Um, They've had, you know, a lot of football in the last few days. The teams obviously have had a massive break with no real preseason and you can't sort of replicate that 
that sort of match day intensity in training sessions and and from what they have been able to do in training you know training in small uh, sort of units uh, the team's segregated while they are training so I think more than anything Leverkusen just looked tired and I think Havertz has been in fantastic form and he had an off day I think a couple of the midfielders Demir by had an off day as well and I think it was just that Wolfsburg caught them on the right day in terms of Leverkusen you know not playing well Tapsober and Bender had been fantastic in defence the last few weeks they had an off day and I think I wouldn't read too much into it in terms of Leverkusen and, and how they go about the rest of the season. I think Peter Bosch, who's done a fantastic job there, better than I thought he would do, to be honest, will you know rally them and they'll be looking to go again. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next game he does make a few more changes, uh, bring in sort of Verts on the right-hand side, for example, who has had a, a few cameos here and there so far. I think what they need to do, freshen it up and, and I think they'll they'll get back no problem, but yeah, I've got to give massive credit to Wolfsburg and, and Pankratic and Maxi Arnold in particular. They were absolutely outstanding for a team who I thought were sort of heading for that sort of mid-table obscurity for the rest of the season. So unfortunately for Kev, yeah, his 100% record goes, but I've, I've every confidence I'll get back to winning ways in the next couple of weeks. No problem. He'll probably claim that it doesn't count because he wasn't on the podcast to talk about it. So <laughs> it's uh, still two for two and we'll just forget this one never happened. Wolfsburg, best of the rest, now sixth in the table. All the chasing pack failing to, to win in this English round, actually. Uh, Jim, your Gladbach boys held to a nil-nil draw as well. Yeah, and probably a bit lucky as well um, by the look of the... I call them highlights. I use that term very, very liberally for a nil-nil draw against a team <laughs> that are 17th in the league. Um, but yeah, it looked like Werder had um, the best chances, particularly one towards the end, um, which which could have won them the game and obviously given them a massive step up towards, uh, not safety, but certainly running down... Uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf at that point, um, obviously before the Wednesday games were played. So it's it, maybe they'll see it as an opportunity missed. Um, but yeah, I, th- I don't know whether it's the quick turnaround that's that's done it. There's been a few teams this this midweek that just looked a bit flat, um, and I don't know whether it's just the turnaround from the Saturday or Sunday into the the Tuesday and Wednesday, um, particularly as James alluded to off the back of what you wouldn't call a full pre-season before going back into the the, the regular kind of rigour um, of match days. So it's, yeah, I'm hoping that it's it's just a little blip for Mutchin Gladbach and then bounce back against Union at the the weekend. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a classic. And I don't, I couldn't even find the highlights on BT Sport. I was saying to you guys <laughs> earlier, I could find the extended version, which is 47 minutes of a nil-nil, which is basically all of it where the ball's actually <laughs> in play, isn't it? I was like, I'm not going to put myself through that. So I managed to dig out a, a five minute version through another source. But yeah, it was um, that BT certainly weren't trailing it as a potential classic. Didn't even bother to list it on their homepage of the football. So good old another source coming to the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not right. So <laughs> not mentioned no, that. No, I, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Nil nil for my boys as well. Eggsberg held at home by Paderborn. Um, I did sit through this one couldn't find any 47 minute highlight packages so I better watch it kind of wish I hadn't Paderborn despite being bottom of the league looking like they're going to be relegated had the better chances really um Eichberg have been a bit of a mixed bag so far it's a win a draw and a defeat so something for everyone 
so far, but certainly seen better since Heiko Herlich, the new coach, been able to be on the bench, having been banned for going shopping for toothpaste, which I'm determined to mention on every single show because it's my favourite thing about Augsburg. Um, my one thing that I like about Augsburg, so I'm just going to keep bringing it up. Um, and to complete the set, John, none of our teams won this week. Freiburg involved in maybe the most entertaining game of the lot, though. Yeah, if you're wondering where all the goals went from your games, they uh, ended up here. Damn. And it's... <laughs> Stole them all. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was an incredible game. Um, it was weird because you wouldn't think that you could describe a a, a three three draw where you were three one up with ten minutes to go as a smash and grab um, on your own part, but that's exactly what happens. Um, and just an incredibly lucky result for Freiburg, who ended up posting 28 box shots, so 28 shots inside the box. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's fans of XG here, but the XG um, differential was was wild, um, much much higher than the zero differential in actual goals. Uh, but Freiburg played as in a 4-4-2 um, and looked very, very static, looked very, very open to um, being manipulated in terms of the opposition finding space. And in trans- transition, they were just absolutely diabolical. So, um, yeah, interestingly, Freiburg went ahead again against the run of play. Um, and then and then Frankfurt got back into it. But then a, a, a couple of goals uh, late in the late in the second half from Nils Pettersson and Lucas Hurler. And it looked as though Freiburg were going to take all three points just a- absolutely out of nowhere. And then um, they, they themselves got... Um, done later on uh, so 79th and 82nd minute with goals from Kamada and Chandler both of which were probably preventable but all in all it was not pretty football but it was very very entertaining so I felt as though I got my money's worth you know you can't really complain about a six goal game especially when some of us have been watching Augsburg and Paderborn struggle to muster anything entertaining um, whatsoever. Another good game on the Wednesday slate, Jim, that you were tuning into Hoffenheim at home to Cone and two red cards in this. Four red cards in the Wednesday games. Clearly something in the, the pre match tea and two of them in this game. Yeah, it all went a bit wild, um, Hoffenheim Cone, to be honest. Like it, it was just one of those where I, obviously the, the late slate was it was kind of packed with options, although none of them kind of massively stood out. So I went for this one on the basis that it might be semi-entertaining, even though Hoffenheim haven't really hit their stride yet um, since coming back. And uh, it was actually what we what we said kind of last week. It's like Cologne might be the team to follow, like if you're interested in in late action and things like that. So yeah, it was it was a weird old game. It was like back and forth, but the the red card, the first one, um Boronau, I think it was for Cologne, like it was an awful challenge. You knew it was a red card. It and it still took them like two or three minutes to work out that he needed sending off and the red the ref rescinded his yellow card and turned it into a straight red. Um by that point Baumgartner, I think it was had already put um Hoffenheim in front uh, and then they went into halftime they had a goal disallowed just before halftime and then he got one straight after and then Zuba scored as well and they were kind of suddenly just out of sight and then they just seemed to start wobbling and and Cologne got one back on the hour mark then they missed a penalty and it was just like it was just a wild end-to-end game where players were literally just kicking the bejesus out of each other the entire <laughs> time. It was just unreal. Like 
considering we had two two red cards one two three four five for another five yellows it was quite an entertaining i messaged you guys on the whatsapp group so i was watching the royal rumble on the other side because you were complaining about your game that you were stuck watching at nil nil um and it was just yeah it was just thoroughly entertaining which i think you know is is ideal for a wednesday night isn't it it's what you want like when you're not physically um or mentally involved with either team you just want to see some entertainment so certainly got my money's worth yeah, absolutely. I'm sure one of these days I'm going to pick the right game to watch. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> John keeps asking us, he's like, what do you think of the Bundesliga so far? I'm like, well, it's all Jeez. right, but I keep watching really bad <laughs> games. <No. laughs> I'd love to be really excited about it, but I've been stuck watching Eichberg and I hate it. So, <laughs> yeah, a bit of an awkward one. Uh, a couple of other results We've covered most of the games that happened this midweek. Union Berlin 1-1 at home to Mainz. Those two teams just above the relegation zone, so not really doing either of them too much of a favour, but a point is always useful. Uh, The big result of the Boston was Fortuna Dusseldorf getting a win at home to Schalke, who continue to absolutely stink up the league since the resumption. Um, John, they've just been absolutely terrible. We talked about David Wagner being under pressure in the last show. They're still in the hunt for qualification for Europe, but how many more defeats are the Schalke board going to put up with? Yeah, he's probably fighting for his job rather than Europe, I'd say, when it comes to David Wagner. And I've always been a little bit compassionate. Even for a Leeds fan, I've been compassionate about David Wagner just because he's dropped off a cliff at a point when the English market is flooding German football. Um and it's just very harsh because he he had turned Schalke around and now it just seems as though they've got into this rut that they can't get out of. They have this annoying problem with goalkeepers whereby their main goalkeeper and former captain um, was bought out by by Bayern Munich. Um, and so as a, as a result of that, they're playing uh, Marcus Schubert as their, their backup goalkeeper instead as a point of principle, and it just keeps going wrong. So, yeah, it was a remarkably poor uh, attempt to save a free kick tonight, which ballooned up in the air and uh, Rowan Henning's put the put the ball in so that's pretty much down on Shiba after Schalke were 1-0 up from the lovely Weston McKenney header um and then yeah and uh, another goal from the the the, the sprightly Keenan Caraman who who looks pretty good but that's it it's it, they've gone from being 1-0 up and fairly comfortable I thought especially against a Fortuna Dusseldorf side who are aren't out of the relegation race by any means um and it's ju- it's just come come back to haunt um uh, david wagner so that's a really really interesting uh drama that's uh, unfolding here and it does seem as though the solution to that drama is just play your better keeper but whether or not that will happen who knows yeah a lot of people seem to think nuba wasn't in particularly good form in the first half of the season anyway and that he might have got dropped even before the, the buying thing came to light but it does seem a bit odd that you've got a goalkeeper considered one of the best young goalkeepers in Germany and you're playing someone who doesn't even look like a goalkeeper instead. I wonder if they're going to change that for the weekend game. Schalke at home to Werder Bremen. Um, so if they don't win that one, I think David Wagner could be the first casualty of this resumed resumed, resumed season. <laughs> um, the weekend, though, starts. We'll stay with you, John, with... Freiburg at home to Bayer Leverkusen, another intrapod derby. What's going to happen in this one? I am not feeling very positive about this one, if I'm completely oh, no. honest. <laughs> uh, it may surprise you to hear, but um, just the way that, that Freiburg were playing midweek, they just looked very, very 
rigid one-dimensional um and you know they are a they are a team who i've said before they they do benefit from playing against sides who they can sit deep against and absorb pressure and then try and beat them on the counter-attack um but i just think leverkusen have too much really and leverkusen will want will come out wanting to to win after what happened to them in in the midweek as well so i think add all those together and uh, it's not going to be necessarily a pretty afternoon but that said uh, i've watched freiburg to enough 1-0 wins which they don't deserve or even 3-3 draws that they don't deserve so um you never know there, there may be some points in it for us <laughs> Yeah, on the fence there a little bit. I mean, <laughs> covered all the possible outcomes. Um, <laughs> Kev's not on the show, but James, since you're filling in, you'll have to be Kev and give his effervescent prediction for a Bayer Leverkusen win that he does on every single show. Yeah, I think Leverkusen should just have enough for Freiburg. I think Freiburg in the first half of the season found real success in being that, that tight, compact team who frustrated the bigger sides and that was resulted in their position in the table for whatever reason over the last couple of weeks it's just not been working out for them the same as it, it did in the opening after a signs there in the Leipzig game the first game back but you know the the Frankfurt game watching some of the defending for for the goals Robin Cock who's been absolutely fantastic this season just you know looks a completely different player so I think if Freiburg can can sort that out it'll be a close game with Leverkusen but I think in the the offensive areas I think Leverkusen will just have a bit too much uh, I expect Havertz to be you know, back to how he should be. I think Lucas Alario may get a game uh, from the start, someone who's been coming off the bench, maybe Wurz, who I mentioned earlier as well. So I think if Leverkusen can freshen it up, keep that sort of base in midfield, which had served them so well this, so far this season, really sort of freshen it up. I think what may play against Leverkusen, I mentioned earlier, they look tired, is the fact that, you know, they've they've played the Tuesday and then they go straight into the Friday game. I think any of the Leverkusen players would have loved to have had that, that sort of half four, half five game on the Sunday. But, you know, so be it. But I think obviously it's the same for both sides. I think Leverkusen, if you look at it, will just have a bit too much. And what seems to be happening a lot so far as well since these seasons resumed is the fact that the away team, in games where I wouldn't expect them to have, have come out with wins. So while I do expect Leverkusen to win this, I think it'll be a close game, but they should just shade it. And uh, your Dortmund boys do get a bit more of a break. They play Sunday away to Paderborn. Worst team in the league, according to the table. Surely this is the ideal chance to bounce back. I hope so. Uh, the the game at Signal Aduna earlier in the season where Paderborn found themselves 3-0 up, I was sat there watching it with my, my jaw on the floor just for how bad Dortmund played and, and how well Paderborn played. So fingers crossed they can turn it around. I think there will be, as I mentioned with Leverkusen, I think Lucien Favre will make changes in that offensive line. I think Sancho possibly will start. Whether uh, Holland is risked, personally I wouldn't if he is carrying a knock. So maybe Mario Götze or Gio Reyna will play in that number 10 role, which they have done from time to time. And yeah, I think that midfield will be freshened up now that the Emre Chan and, and Axel Witzel are getting back as well. They'll probably get a bit of game time in, in what is coming up to quite a difficult run for Dortmund towards the end of the season. So I think keeping it fresh, but I think they should still just have a bit too much for Paderborn as well. Yeah, other games coming up this weekend. Bayern are at home to Fortuna Dusseldorf, who've had a really good result this midweek against Schalke, but Bayern at home, you would expect to be too strong in that one. And Gladbach, Jim, are at home to Union Berlin. What do you expect is going to happen in that one? 
I hope to see a goal. That'd be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? I know Mochi Gladbach have, have been involved in some high-scoring games. Um, two out of the three matches that I've watched since the the season resumed, so I shouldn't really complain about a nil-nil. Um, it's I suppose there's a there's a potential minor advantage for uh, Mochi Gladbach in the sense that they played a day earlier. Although obviously this this game is a Sunday, but they'll have the extra day's rest compared to Union who played Wednesday night. Um, I mean, Union have got to look at it as a positive, a 1-1 draw against Mines tonight as we record because it snapped that losing streak that they were they were on. So that helps. But having watched them just get completely dismantled by Hertha last Friday, um, you'd like to think that Much and Gladbach will have a bit too much for them in attack. But I'm going to say that and they're going to go out and lose 3-1 now. But hey, we've got to be positive, especially going into to Sunday afternoon's game. So yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, and just to wrap up the previews, Augsburg away to Hertha. Um, from what I've seen, apart from Bayern, Hertha have probably been the team of the this bit of the season so far. So can't be too confident about that one. But Augsburg certainly seems to have the potential to surprise people. So if they surprise me, I'll be quite happy. Um, but that is the end of our show. If you've listened before, this is a bit where I normally throw to Kevin getting to explain subscribing. But selfishly, he's not here. So hopefully you already subscribe because I still don't really know how it works. You can find the podcast <laughs> on Acast, Spotify, iTunes, other podcast places that I don't know about. Just search Bundesliga for Beginners. should come up. You can also follow us on Twitter at Bundesliga Pod. Always keen to hear from listeners. Let us know how we're getting on. Obviously, we're only a few episodes in winging it to a certain extent so any feedback is certainly welcome ideas for what we can do in the future send them our way as well you can also find us all individually on twitter if you want to do that i'm jamie smith sport james what's your twitter where people can find you for more yeah mine is at underscore james vickers uh so underscore and then just my name uh anything bundesliga on there i'm involved in sort of a few podcasts that kind of thing uh betting show for the Bundesliga for footy accumulators, which I'm on with Alan McNally, uh, ex-Bayern Munich, Aston Villa and Celtic striker. So, yeah, if you have liked what you've heard and, and want any more Bundesliga in your life while there's no more football, give me a follow. And you host the Championship podcast that's on the same channel as well, so people should check that out if they want to hear what's happening in that league, which is nothing at the minute. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bundesliga podcast instead. <laughs> yeah, we've just had an episode come out this week. I think usually it's it's once a week. At the moment, just because there's simply no news, we're doing an episode once every two to three weeks. But as soon as that season's back up and running, we'll be back with your regular weekly episodes. Excellent. Jim, what's your Twitter? Uh, at Jim Knight Tweets. I'm involved in no additional podcasts with any ex- professional footballers so yeah just this one for now well for all you know i'm an ex <laughs> i'm not i'm really not um, john anything you want to plug before we wrap up for the day uh no no i'm good my my twitter, <laughs> my twitter handle is john just wants to go to bed now it's just half 10 when we're recording so uh yeah i want to go and uh, watch uh, the Augsburg Paderborn game because you've really sold it to me. So maybe I'll pull that sleep, up. Get you to <laughs> sleep quite quickly by sounds see if you, of it. So, see yeah, if you can well find away. a forty-seven minute highlight. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think that we'll leave it there for now. Um, 
we haven't talked about recording the next show yet, so I can't tell you when that's going to be out, but after the weekend games, probably. So it's time for that. Hopefully the sound's been okay today, by the way, because I'm recording and I can barely press a button, let alone monitor sound levels or anything like that. So hopefully Kev will be back to produce the next show. But thanks for listening. This has been Funsley for Beginners. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.